chapter seven of on the exercises of piety by jean gebert this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven the sacrament of penance section one the benefits of the sacrament of penance the holy eucharist is the most divine of the sacraments penance is the most human god is all in the holy eucharist in it he gives himself by means of the flesh and blood of christ man has only to lay himself open and to lend himself to his mighty influence in penance man plays a greater part it is by the united activity of the confessor and the penitent that god works the pardon of sins while grace comes complete in itself from the eucharist man collaborates with god to obtain it in penance god alone indeed is the author of forgiveness but he does not grant it without the moral effort of man see indeed how the sinner works his conscience he interrogates it by self-examination and pushes his inquiry into the most secret depths then he makes a faithful avowal of the faults of which he feels that he is guilty humiliating himself in his own heart not less than in the presence of his confessor he disturbs himself with repentance and bows his head beneath the hand that gives him absolution lastly he binds himself to an expiation whereby he mingles the drops of his own blood with the flow of the redeeming blood of christ the sacrament will not take place nor produce its effect unless the sinner does all this work the work is all the more laborious because it must move the soul to its very depths superficial feelings would not touch the heart of god because they would not break the heart of man they are only effectual on condition that they are sincere and go down to the roots of our inmost being thus the most hidden and shameful faults must be disclosed and the self-accusation must be entire and without dissimulation regret must be universal so far as the faculties of the soul are concerned as well as regards the sins that are deplored and the satisfaction made cannot be reduced to an empty formality it must really strike and correct the sinner sincerity then stirs the whole man it turns his being upside down like a field that is dug up and for fear lest the sinner be faint-hearted or impotent in thus mending his own heart he is officially helped in the work by his confessor even a priest cannot administer the sacrament of penance to himself whoever wishes for the pardon of his faults can only obtain it in ordinary circumstances with the help of god's minister for this reason the sacrament has its human side this requirement far from being a burden is a consolation it is therefore in mercy and not from hardness that christ has ordained that in the sacrament of penance the christian shall be bound to address himself to a judge a pastor and a physician for his confessor is all of these to him as soon as someone is to hear you what care do you not apply to the examination of your conscience 
what definiteness do you not use in your acknowledgments as soon as you have before you a man who exhorts you in god's name what a powerful action will it not have over your faith your mind and your will as soon as you have to do with a man who visibly lifts up his hand with the divine power of giving you absolution what a deep feeling will you not experience of peace recovered and innocence restored take away the man take away this living representative of god what vagueness follows in self-examination what slackness in searching out your faults what uncertainty in the forgiveness how superficial the repentance you cannot then thank god enough for making confession the necessary means of your moral restoration when the sacrament has been once conferred the priest has not yet completed his mission so far as you are concerned when he has purified your soul and blotted out your sins by absolution he opens to you by means of direction the way to a better life he has repaired the past he is to prepare for the future by the enlightenment he gives you both as to the ideal to follow and as to the spiritual weaknesses that threaten to bar your progress he will tell you what faults to avoid what virtues to acquire and what efforts you must make inwardly and personally in order to increase within you the christian life by the impulses that he will impart to your will he will set it to pray or to work he will sustain it against inconstancy and prevent it from all kinds of discouragement this sacred tribunal is then in all respects beneficent the guilty if he is sincere leaves it in peace and encouraged he has found peace because he has unburdened his heart of the weight of his sins and because he feels by faith the grace of forgiveness descend upon his soul and at the same time as god was breaking off his chains of sin and setting him free the compassionate hand of a father was dressing his wounds and relieving his sufferings nothing in our life gives a happier sense of peace than this testimony of a conscience that has regained its self-esteem and the friendship of god and to this tranquillity strength is added for by the grace of the sacrament and with the vigorous influence of the confessor the penitent receives new light as to his duties more fervent desires in his heart fresh energy of soul and he returns to his moral endeavour with more resolution and courage and with a greater capacity for perseverance his fervency may go off and his will give way again but what a gain it is to get possession of oneself and to raise oneself once more besides he can again have recourse to the same source of regeneration section two the practice of confession a sacrament which is so rich in divine gifts and in which man's work plays so large a part must not be treated lightly but requires the most serious attention in practice as we are only speaking now to christians who use confession 
we shall only give such counsels as are calculated to enable them to get some real advantage from it if you are free to choose your confessor you will preferably select one whose piety guarantees you of coming into close touch with god whose knowledge will enable him to mark out for you most clearly the path of perfection and whose firmness will secure the most constant support for your weakness he must not be antipathetic to you for fear lest your soul should feel any want of freedom in opening itself to him but neither must he be so familiar with you that your respect is thereby in any degree diminished or that he may be to you rather a man than a minister of god no confession should be a link to bind you to the personality of your confessor and from time to time it will be a good thing for you to receive the counsels of another and you may even change him altogether not indeed out of lightness or from fear of too powerful a direction but for good reasons such as feeling either too embarrassed or too much at ease with him a pious person who is sound in soul that is to say who is neither tormented with scruples nor a victim of grave failings will usually go to confession once a fortnight this seems to be the most suitable period either so that the influence of the sacrament may not die out or else to avoid the creeping in of a sense of routine but no rule is obligatory and in this matter all depends upon the personal needs of each soul the time taken by a confession is usually from five to ten minutes just as haste is but little fitting for the sacrament so are habitual prolongations of the time baneful to it confession is a definite work to be gone through take enough time to make each act in it with the gravity that becomes it but take care that such a grave step does not degenerate into a conversation that might be dangerous the scrupulous too must be led to say what has to be said briskly for lengthened talk can only increase their malady a well-conducted self-examination will clearly determine the matter of self-accusation let it be quick enough not to be painful nor weakening to the conscience if grave sins have to be dealt with a pious person perceives them at once as it were on the surface of the soul so deeply has the trace of them been embedded in it but thanks be to god mortal sins will be rare so that in such an one as a rule venial faults alone will be in question but if it be remembered that venial sins are all pardoned as soon as they are regretted one infers that it is far less important to discover them than to excite in oneself contrition that shall exclude none of them therefore instead of pulverizing one's conscience and passing it through the crucible of a minute and tiring examination the penitent should set himself to seize upon his most characteristic voluntary and spiritually hurtful faults which it is urgent that he should indicate to his confessor in order the better to fight against them as soon as these few sins have been well noted the time of preparation should be used to excite in oneself feelings of contrition 
and as contrition is primarily a gift of god and then an act of man's heart it arises and grows in the soul under the twofold influence of prayer that asks for it and of the effort to express it the accusation of one's sins should be frank and simple frank that is to say without any dissembling dissimulating nothing that might enlighten the confessor giving as certain what is certain and as doubtful what is doubtful simple that is to say neither complicated with stories and circumstances that are of no concern to the confessor nor clouded with repetitions or reservations which show that the penitent is not very sure of his ground confine yourself to a small number of sins which are clearly distinguished and real ones and sincerely regretted long lists of faults set forth in the same hackneyed terms and without any face-to-face -face reality in them and without any contrition definitely brought to bear upon some one sin are the bane of confessions when once the act of contrition has been piously set under the absolution of the confessor there still remains something to be done to give the sacrament all its completeness there is satisfaction the penances to-day given by the priest are indeed very light whether they be prayers or mortifications but they have the same meaning as the long and painful penances assigned to penitents by the early church whether it be for the expiation of sins committed or to protect the penitent from fresh falls in this spirit and after having done what the priest bids pious persons will prescribe prayers and acts of sacrifice for themselves in order to punish themselves for the past and to make them stronger for the future thus the sacrament of penance is fulfilled by the practice of acts of virtue section three spiritual direction to the sacrament of penance is added as a kind of supplement the practice of spiritual direction it is indeed the confessor himself who is usually the spiritual director and direction if it is to be usefully carried out presupposes as full an opening of the heart as confession itself cases may occur in which the spiritual director in whom we confide is not available and we shall therefore receive direction from one who is not our confessor a pious person rarely makes progress in perfection if he does not make use of direction it is not that he will surrender his liberty and management of himself into the hands of his director because such an abdication would be the abandonment of all progress on the contrary he will only make use of his director to enlarge the scope of his personality and in order to get a better hold upon himself he has recourse to a director for four ends in chief he looks to him first for the learning of the teacher for thanks to the enlightenment he gets from it he can better examine his conscience and discern the spirit with which he is animated and obtain a clearer and wider view of the road that leads to god and he learns from it how to wield his spiritual weapons develops his interior faculties 
and applies them with skill to the acquisition of virtue he finds in the director an awakener of the soul and one who supplies the stimulus it requires if it is to be kept from lethargy without the impetus supplied by direction he would soon grow weary with the length of the road so great is the distance between the clear vision of what is right and the full realization of the best intentions in the moral life periodical encouragement is a resource of infinite value when circumstances are difficult or great responsibilities have to be faced the director becomes the prudent counsellor whose wise advice suggests sound decisions then the entire confidence which is placed in his words gives firmness in the midst of embarrassments and drives away the cruel anguish arising from uncertainty finally let it be added that he is a father and a consoler in sadness and affliction the hours of suffering are doubly dangerous the heart's sore wounds give sharp pain and the strength of the soul melts away in discouragement then it is the proper work of the director to pour upon the wounds a sweet balm to relieve their smarting pangs and to sustain the energy of the will under the violent assaults of trial thanks to him hope survives in the afflicted soul and action is again made to spring from the broken heart direction however is only blessed by god and only produces these consoling effects when it conforms to the rules suggested by christian prudence whether we consider the director or the directed in the director it presumes supernatural enlightenment knowledge devotion and discretion a supernatural spirit keeps in view solely the glory of god and the good of the soul knowledge maintains the director in the right paths and preserves him from eccentricities and novelties devotion makes him ready to sacrifice himself for souls without listening to thoughts of idleness or of self-interest lastly discretion makes him respect the individuality of his penitent as a sacred treasure-house there are very indiscreet directors who go too far and use a sort of violence in penetrating into the lives of those whom they direct and who harass them with importunate questions or load them with exacting requirements let them remember that so far as the soul is concerned they are not warders who have to imprison them in their own caprices but guides who have to free them from their bonds and to encourage them to walk alone they are not to such an extent the masters of people's souls as to be able to prevent them from seeking counsel elsewhere and they ought to use no less circumspection to check any intimacy which might cause their direction to miss the way and might make it dangerous those who seek guidance should give full confidence to their director but without abandoning their own individuality their confidence looks to their director for supernatural illumination to enlighten them as to the path of duty and for strength to walk in it it implies docility of spirit and heart as to counsels or moral impulses imparted by the representative of god 
but it is important that the personality of the penitent should remain intact because a soul seeks direction it does not become like a senseless ball struck by a tennis player but instead of being passive and of moving mechanically it has the sense of acting on its own initiative and on its own responsibility and it walks with a free step and with deliberation in the way of action marked out by the director it is only on this condition that it can acquire any merit since then its acts become its own and it develops its own faculties since it is its own activity that comes into play let there be no fear that the personality of the penitent may offer some hindrance to obedience on the contrary obedience gets its dignity and its high moral value from the fact that it puts itself on the side of authority with a deliberate will and with intentional submission obedience moreover cannot extend to everything there are a number of acts which must be performed daily on one's own personal initiative the true moral temper therefore is composed of personal initiative based on the spirit of obedience End of chapter seven